Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. In faith, Isaiah chapter number 12. I know I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. If you miss tonight, you're going to miss a blessing. I promise you, you're going to miss a blessing. Matter of fact, it's Brother Jacob's dad that's going to be preaching for us tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do for us. Isaiah chapter number 12. Let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter number 12, and I want to Pick up reading in verse number one this morning, and I'll read the entirety of the chapter, and then we'll come back and center in on one verse. The Bible said this, and that in and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou waste, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou conformest me. Bible said in verse number two, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Verse number three, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day thou sh- and in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I like verse number four, and in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Amen. That's in order, by the way, when you're in church and you hear somebody say, praise the Lord. Well, you're just doing what the Bible said do. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Bible said in verse number five, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. Amen. And boy, he has. says this in verse number six, cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Who is the Holy One of Israel? It's the Lord. That's who it is. Amen. And he's saying this to us this morning that we have a God worthy of us praising. You say, well, I'd rather go to a quiet church that never said amen uh, and was very dignified. Well, if you'll study the Bible, it's not going to be like that in heaven. Amen. And uh, they'll be gathered around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, it's the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Uh, matter of fact, Paul said this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say... Uh, Rejoice, and we do have a God worth praising today, amen. And uh, hey, look, I- I'm gonna move, but I say this to you if you can stand up and holler for little Johnny running a football, how much more should we stand up and holler for a God that loved us enough to snatch us up out of hell and give us another chance in life? He is worthy of our praise, but I'm not gonna preach on that this morning. Look at verse number two. Behold, God is. My salvation, 
I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is also, or he also has become my salvation. I just want to preach to you a little bit this morning on salvation. You say, a preacher, it seems that's been a lot here lately. Well, until the Lord tells me to quit, I'm going to keep preaching on it. Amen. Father, I love you this morning, and I pray over the next few minutes, God, that you would help us today. I pray, God, that you would use us as we look into your word, and God will give you the praise. Uh, Lord, you know who's here lost and who's here saved. And God, that person that may be lost, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. When we talk about praising God, and we talk about giving him the glory and the thanks for what he's done, a lot of times uh, a lost man does not understand that. You say, well, why does a lost man not understand that? Because they've never truly experienced uh, a salvation of grace. Now, they experience grace because the Bible said this, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not just after I'm saved, uh, but all the days of my life is what he said uh, in Psalms 23. So, so there has been numerous times uh, where whether you're saved or lost, that you have experienced uh, the grace of God. But they never experienced uh, God's uh, salvation grace. Uh, in other words, uh, they've never been saved uh, by a glorious God. And I believe that you can say this if you're sitting here today saved, uh, that things are a lot different uh, uh, in your life now. There's a difference to praise now. Why? Because he is your heavenly father. Because you have realized really how good God is and that he was willing to save you. So us that is saved today, there is a praise that swells up within us when we realize that God has saved us from hell. Can I just say this this morning? I sure am glad that I don't have to worry about dying and going to hell. I'm glad that if my eyes close in death today, I can shout and I can praise God because I know when my eyes open uh, on the other side. They're not going to open in hell. Uh, uh, they'll open on the streets of gold uh, and the gates of pearl and the crystal river of life uh, and I'll make my way around the throne of God uh, and I will exalt he uh, who gave himself for me. The saved man experiences grace in a different way when he's saved. But every man should praise the Lord. The Bible said let every man that hath breath. Matter of fact, let me back up and rephrase that. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath. I'm headed somewhere. So we, I, I remember as just a little boy, my dad had a, a, an office in the house, which we lived right beside the church, but he had an office in the house, all, in the house also. And um, on Sunday mornings, daddy would be in there. I'd walk in there, and, and my grandpa built a bunch of things out of wood, just little things out of wood. And he built a bunch of what they called squirrel feeders. And, and it was a chair, and it had a round table, and it had a big old nail stuck up through that round table. And Jacob, I'm sure you've probably seen some of our grandpa's stuff. And, and, and they would take a corn cob and stick that corn cob on that nail. That squirrel would, man, he had them everywhere around the house, Brother Blake. And uh, people come by and probably thought we was crazy when I was a kid because there's squirrel feeders everywhere on the sides of the trees. And Daddy would be sitting there, and he had a big window beside his desk, and he would look out. He had a couple where he could see them. He'd look out, 
Those squirrels would run up there, and they would sit down on that chair is the neatest thing. They'd sit down on that chair, and they would get a piece of that corn uh, off of that corn cob. They would raise it up to their mouth like this, and then they'd look at it, and they'd go, hey, 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 look. I said, yeah, it's a squirrel eating corn. He said, no, it's a squirrel holding corn. Now it's eating corn. And I'd say, well, okay. He said, that's the Bible proving itself true. I said, not quite sure I read about a squirrel in the Bible, Dad. He would say this, no, before he ever took a bite of that corn. He was saying, Lord, thank you for letting me wake up this morning and thank you for the preacher man putting some corn at my table today. Lord, I just want to praise you. He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We're commanded by God to praise. But when we're saved, our praise goes to a different level. You say, preacher, what do you mean? You began to realize what God has done for you in salvation. Can I show you four things about salvation right here out of this verse? And then we'll go home. Number one, look at this. The priority of salvation. The priority of salvation. What did he say in verse 2? Behold, God is my salvation. Behold, the word says to sit up and pay attention. It says this is important. And nothing is more important than the salvation of your soul. Matter of fact, you've heard me say this before, that behold means looky-looky. It means to stop and look at what he's fixing to say. Can I say something to you this morning? When we think about salvation today, there is a priority that goes to salvation. The most important thing that you'll ever do in your life, the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life, your life is a decision to trust the Lord as your personal Savior. It's not a business decision. It's not a financial decision. Hear me and hear me well and let me explain. It's not even who you marry. It's your decision to accept the Lord as Savior of your life. This thing is serious. It's not a joke. It's not something that we handle nonchalantly beneath me today in the center of this earth is a hell that's burning today and above us in the third heaven is a good God seated on his throne where there's no worries, there's no death, there's no sorrow, eternal peace, eternal happiness, eternal joy. Heaven will be a great place. Oh, but this is the closest to heaven that you'll ever experience if you're lost. There's a hell beneath us. And if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't get saved, you will die and go to a place called hell. And that's the reason Isaiah says, hold, look, wait a minute. There's a priority to this salvation. Behold, the priority of it. Did you know that the devil will never tell you not to get saved? Before I was, got saved, when I was, the devil never told me not to get saved. Here's what he said. Just do it tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. You know what he's going to say tomorrow? Just do it tomorrow. You know what he's going to say that day? Just do it tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. One day tomorrow is not going to come. You're going to open your eyes in hell. And there's no doubt, based on the authority of God's word in the book of Luke, your mind will be in hell. I'm telling you, your mind will be in hell. You'll remember the rich man talks about his life in hell, talks about his brothers in hell, never said anything about his mom and daddy. You say, well, why didn't he? Well, here's your little barkerology. I believe they were saved 
And I believe they tried to win him and he rejected it. And he knew that his mom and daddy was either going to heaven or already in heaven. Never says one thing about it. But he talks about his life. He talks about Moses and the prophets. You hear me? He talks about every bit of that. His physical mind was in hell. And I want you to hear me this morning. You keep putting it off and one day you're going to open your eyes in hell. And I believe with all of my heart you'll, believe every, you'll remember every time you heard a preacher preach. And not just the preacher preach, but maybe your spouse told you about God. Maybe your kids told you about God. Maybe somebody else in your family told you about God. Maybe somebody you work with told you about God. Maybe just a friend that you've known your whole life told you about God, but you rejected and rejected and rejected. And I believe it all will come back in your mind whenever you open your eyes in hell. There is a priority, a priority to being saved. There is a priority to being saved. Watch this, number two. Not only the priority of salvation, but the provider of salvation. This is very important. The provider of salvation. Again, go with me right back to our verse, verse number two. Behold, God is my salvation. He goes on to say this in the same verse, For the Lord Jehovah, that great I am, the Lord Jehovah, is my strength and my song. He also has become what? My salvation. There's no other way to heaven but by Him. He said this, Jesus said this, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me but by him. He said, what he's saying is simply this. He's saying if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go through Jesus. He said this, he said, I am the door. The only way, the only way you'll ever make it to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But preacher, I, I, I'm good to the people in my community. When people's in need, I do my best to help them. You know what? I, I thank God for that. If, if you do what the Bible says to do, you will do that. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You will do that. But hear me, being good to somebody is not going to get you to heaven. Well, preacher, you know, there was a time and, and I told God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. That ain't the way it works. You never put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're trying to bargain with him. God, I, I know I, I, I need to get saved, but if you'll let my family member get better, then I'll get saved. What if you die before that happens? Are you hearing me this morning? That's not the way it worked. Well, preacher, I tithe to the church. Praise God, I hope you get a raise this week. It'll be more tithe. Tithing to the church does not save you. Matter of fact, I've said this, I don't know how many times here in the past 17 years. I tithe to the church. If you want to know that I tithe to the church, go see Miss Stephanie after service this morning. She'll give you my tithing records and let you see them the whole time I've been at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. I tithe to the church also. I give faith promise missions to the church. I give to the missions every week at our church. I give an offering above that sometimes. Are you with me this morning? Matter of fact, if, if my friend's in need, I'll do what I can do to help them. But I'm going to tell you something, that will never get you into heaven. 
Well, but preacher, I'm going to church. I'm glad. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. That's what we're supposed to do. But hear me, just going to church will never save you. It will not do it. The provider of salvation is God. Plus nothing, minus nothing. What did he say? He said, for by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation this morning, there's the priority of it. There's the provider of it. But let me show you this in number three. There's the procure, procuring of it. In other words, the obtaining of it. Watch this. The Bible said this, verse number two again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. He said, preacher, how do I get salvation? Well, that was asked to Paul. He said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For in Sunday school this morning, I was teaching Sunday school this morning, and for a while, they had uh, been a verse that I dealt with in Sunday school that I was very open about that I didn't understand for a long time. God had helped me to get understanding of that. Now, this is another verse that for a while I didn't understand. Matter of fact, me and Brother Todd McKinnon will be here in December. We talked, I don't know how much about this verse. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But also the Bible talks about repentance for salvation. And it's saying, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Here's what Brother Todd said in, in several days of talking back and forth. He said this, when you put your full trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. In other words, you're saying, I'm not trusting anything else. I'm believing on God to save me. I'm putting my trust in Him. At that moment, you are repenting. You're turning your back to everything else in this world. And you're saying, God, I trust you. Preacher, how do I get saved? Getting saved is very simple. You call on the name of the Lord. It's this. It's the A. We, that's not an A. That's a five. That, I don't know. That A, it's like Y-M-C-A. Yeah, there we go. A. Can you do that, Brother Ted? Y-M-C-A. Oh, be careful. I'll be doing the hokey pokey that I preached against in Sunday school. Watch this. It's A, you acknowledge you're a sinner. The Bible said this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B is that you believe that God will save you. C is that you call on Him and ask Him to save you. You know what He said? I'll do it. Preach, how do I get saved? It's very simple. You ask God to save you. You ask God to save you. Number four, and I'm done. The product of salvation. What does salvation bring? Well, I don't have five days to preach to you on it. What does salvation bring? The product of it, watch this, there's three things. There's three things. First is serenity. He said, not to be afraid. Salvation removes fear. It removes the fear of death and of judgment. Nothing gives serenity. Nothing gives serenity like salvation. In other words, peace. Number two, it gives strength. He said, my strength, in the same verse, salvation gives strength to live the Christian life. 
We can't live the Christian life on our own. You said, preacher, when I get myself straightened out, I'm going to live for Jesus. You'll never live for Jesus. I'm going to get saved when I get all the problems in my life worked out. I sure am glad that that's not a prerequisite for salvation because I'd never be saved. I'm just going to tell you, i got problems in my life. Well, you're the preacher. Yeah, I put my pants on the same way you did this morning. i got problems. Everybody got problems. You say, well, life seems to be pretty good. I bet if I talk to you long enough, we could pinpoint an area in your life that troubles you. Something from the past, something from the present, something you're worried about in the future. We got problems. But there is a serenity and a strength that comes from God. Then number three, what does salvation produce? Serenity, strength, but it also produces this. It produces a song. He said in this verse, my song. Salvation puts a melody in our heart. Sin filled our lives with discord, but salvation fills our life with harmony. And I ask you a very personal question as she comes to play softly this morning. That's your very personal question. If you died right now, where would you spend eternity? Where would you go? Where, where would we spend eternity at? There's one of two places. And if you say, well, preacher, I would go to hell. Or preacher, I would go to heaven. Let's deal with that first. Preacher, I would go to heaven. I would go to heaven. Well, why? What do you mean, why? Why? Why are you going to heaven? If you tell me a list of things and then say, that's why, I'm tell you the reason I'm going to go to heaven. Here's the reason why. July the 20th, 1994, I realized I was lost. I, I, I was a good kid. I was 16 years old. I'd never been drunk a day in my life. I'd never smoked no juju weed. I, I had honestly, honestly, probably in this world's eyes, the worst thing I had done was going to Hubwell's store and getting a five-cent piece of bubble gum because I didn't have a nickel and slipping around the corner and opening it and putting it in my mouth. That's called stealing, by the way. Just, just in case y'all didn't know that. Maybe I need to go preach that in youth church too. But In the world's eyes, that's probably the worst thing I'd done. Me and Justin Shore got into his daddy's case of cigarettes one night. Both got us a Winston Red, slipped down in the woods and smoked it. I about died. That was the second time. First time I about died was sitting at the fire department. I joined the fire department when I was 16. And there's an old guy named Bob Moody there. And that was back when you could smoke in the station. And I, I, Back in the good old days. You know, now it's all right to go, if you're a man, to go in a woman's bathroom. But God help if you smoke a cigarette in there. You say, what's your thoughts on all that? You probably don't want to know, but I'll tell you this right now. If you go to Turner's Creek Baptist Church and look at everything that's there, a lot of it was built by tobacco farmers in the community. I'm just moving on. 
We want to condemn that, but let's go grow all the hemp we want to now. Anyway, I was sitting in the fire department, Bob Moody. He was about the size of Brother Ted. But he talked like this. Brother Ted said, he's a big old boy. I said, Bob, give me one of them cigarettes. He said, Runt. That's what they all got. He said, Runt, you can't handle a cigarette. I said, give me a cigarette. He said, all right. He popped it out. I put it in my mouth, and I thought, why is this stuff coming at the end of this? It was a filterless camel. He had a Zippo. Y'all know what I'm talking about, a Zippo light. He opened that thing up, Brother Ramsey, lit it, and a flame shot out about that high. I didn't have to worry about hairs in my nose for two years after that. I got that thing, Brother Jim, and I put my hand around it. Like I said, I didn't do it. I'd done like this because it's being cool. And I said, <laughs> and I inhaled that. And I'm telling you, I thought I was going to puke everywhere. <laughs> That's probably the reason I get hoarse today at 45 years old. But that was honestly some of the worst things I'd done. But I'll never forget that night. God showed me I was going to hell. I sung in the choir. I taught in Sunday school classes. I worked in the bus ministry. Nothing uncommon at Turner's Creek back in those days to have anywhere from 130 to 150 just on the buses. I worked on those buses. I went on visitation every Thursday night and every Saturday morning. My daddy's old school. Thursday night was church visitation. Saturday morning was bus rider visitation. And I worked on a bus. It wasn't an option. You went or you didn't work on the bus. And to be honest, at that time, I wasn't really concerned with working on the bus. But Daddy said I needed to work the bus route. So guess what? I got to go to visitation Thursday night because I'm part of the church and Daddy's going to preach on faithfulness. You're going to be there, son. I know better than to say much. I worked on the bus route. I went to visitation. At some point, I had made a profession of faith. I don't even remember it. And the only reason, the only reason I know that is because I'm not a fan of water. Now, I'll fish all day long. I'll ride a boat all day long. I'll go as far offshore as you want to go fishing. I've been, I don't know how many times, I've never been seasick. But I don't like water, okay? I don't like water. And matter of fact, I take four nerve pills before we baptize it. No, I'm just being. And at some point when I was a kid, my daddy baptized me. So I had to have made a profession of faith. And the only reason I remember it is this. Daddy had a suit on. I got in the water. And daddy said, in obedience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And upon this, my brother's profession of faith, the Lord, I now baptize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And when he started down... I reached up and grabbed a hold of his tie with both of my hands and was hollering, trying to get him not to put me down. I think it was a joke to him at that point because it was like, whoo. But it didn't go, whoo, whoo. It went, whoo. Whoo. You hear me? That's the only reason I, evidently, at some point in my life, I had made a profession. But I'll never forget that night. I'm telling you, I thought I was going to go to hell before I could get to the altar. Well, I'll never forget it. And I got saved that night. That's why I'm going to heaven. I'd done what that Bible said do. 
I confessed my sins to him. I didn't remember them all. I said, Lord, I know I'm lost and I know I've sinned. And with all my heart, I trust you to save me. I'm sure I said more than that, but that's what I can remember. Are you saved this morning? Rich, I'm going to get saved. I promise you I'm going to get saved. Years ago, I, I'm right now done. Years ago, Madeline, would you and Cassie ease over to Hannah and Gavin's room and just tell them to, to wait outside to the end? There's a, a very predominant man in Yakin County. He's a businessman, and God gave me favor with that man. And I'd go talk to him, and this was, man, I was 18, 19 years old. And I'd tell him, he had a bunch of old hot rods, and I love old hot rods. I'd go over there, and we'd get one of them out. They made a Buick years ago, Brother Blake, that had three shifters in it, like an old drag card, you know. It was a Hearst edition. And I'd go over there, and we'd get that out. He had, I don't know how many old Corvettes, and we'd get them out and ride around with Jim. And man just loved it. And I told him one day, I called him by name, and I said, uh, you saved? No. Just like that. He didn't hesitate. He didn't try to make an excuse. He said, no. And I called him by name, and I said, uh, and they'd get saved. He said, I agree with you. I said, okay, let's do it. I said, it's nothing I can do, but I'll pray with you. Won't you just get saved? I'm going to. I said, you ought to right now. He called me son a lot of times, and he said, son, I will one day. I said, okay, buddy. I said, I love you. I really do. He said, I know you do. For probably two months, once a week or once every other week, we'd do something and I'd say, don't you get saved? I'm going to one day. I'd beg him to. He wouldn't. I got a phone call one day. They told me his name. He said he just fell over dead with a massive heart attack. As far as, far as I know today, he's in hell. I tried, but I can't do it for you. I watched my daddy not long ago with a, with a very well-known man in our county. I'd witnessed this man. He's an older man. I'd witnessed to him, witnessed to him. I watched my dad. I took my daddy. I said, Daddy, I want you to go. You're an older man. He'll probably respect you more than he does me. Daddy went. And I watched my daddy, Brother Robert, get down on his hands and knees. He got down on his hands. My daddy's tears run off in that man's lap and begged him to get saved begged him to get saved he said I will one day two weeks later I was standing at his bedside when he died by his own testimony he was a good man but by his own testimony he went to hell off that bedside this thing's real church don't let your church membership keep you from getting saved. Church membership's not going to take you to heaven. But right here's where it gets everybody, their pride. You know what? I don't mean this ugly, but I don't give a rip what you say about me. I know I'm saved, and I'm trying to follow the Lord with all of my heart. And when my eyes close in death or the Lord comes back, 
Thank God I'm leaving here. No, I'm not perfect. I will fail you. I will fail my family. I will fail this church. I will fail God. But I know this for certain, that I am saved by the grace of God. And when it's my time to go, that I'll be in heaven. Are you saved? Father,